Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. Coming up then, Wednesday are out of the EFL Cup. Uh, we'll hear from Gary Monk as he prepares to face one of his old sides in Middlesbrough on Saturday. And he plays for Wednesday, it hits for United. I'll let you finish that sentence. Julian Burner is on media duty today. So, um, first defeat then for Wednesday under Gary Monk. Uh, 2-0 at home to Everton on Tuesday. Have you ever known a game that turns on a moment barely two minutes into the match before? I can't recall a match like that. No, not really, James. It did feel no. like that was the moment, wasn't yeah. it? Once that happened, you just thought, ah. Well, I know you say that, but then I actually think if Wednesday got one back uh, relatively quickly... Uh, in that first half, they had other opportunities. Dominic Iorf as oh, header yeah. from the corner. And, you know, we saw on the night that the weaknesses that Everton have from defending set pieces, there were other opportunities from that avenue that Wednesday had and in open play. But the big opportunity, of course, Sam Winnell after uh, a terrible back pass from Tom Davies uh, for a much-changed Everton team. Yeah, Sam Winnell... It goes through, you know, he's got to take that chance, he has to. And it wasn't Sam Winnell's night. I think he had three opportunities in the game. And, and it's a shame for him, really, as that was a, a big opportunity to put a marker down and to really say to Gary Monk that he should be in that starting eleven for Middlesbrough on Saturday. OK, well, this is interesting because I thought last week I kind of started off with my negatives. So this week I thought I'll start with my positives. Uh, and Sam Winnell is actually on my positives list because... I thought that he was a little bit off the pace. His finishing wasn't great. And he's a striker and he's got a score. And in fact, he knew he misses those, then we, we you know we give him pelters. Um, but I quite liked what I saw in terms of work rates and movement from Sam Winnell. Um, and I still think he's got that determination and that kind of ferocity that he needs to do what we ultimately need that second striker to do so he's on my positive list yeah no he would be on my positive list too and I would also take plenty of heart from the fact he kept putting himself in the positions to score and and it's always if a striker isn't getting chances through service okay you know that's where the the big criticism or if he's not putting himself in the right areas that's when uh, you know he get flack but actually Sam Winnell uh, you know, you'd be more worried if he wasn't getting the chances. That's essentially what I'm getting at. So, yeah, no, I, I took positives in that it was another good run out for Sam Winnell and he will continue, I think, to get sharper the more match time he gets. Uh, the big positive, I think, in uh, in terms of individual performances, again, I think Massimo Luongo is knocking on the door. He's next on my uh, on my positive list. Hit just, list. just on um, Sam Winnell, by the way, I thought that we looked less dangerous without him on the pitch than when he was on the pitch. That you know, kind of summed that up really in terms of the fact that I think we had more goal threat with Sam Winnell than without. Yeah, um, yeah so uh, Luongu, um, I, to say he's knocking on the door, I think is is just kind of like, um, it's a given now, isn't it? I think he stopped knocking on the door. He's got a sledgehammer, uh, possibly some kind of pickaxe, and he's just like bashing his way through. Um, he I, surely has got to be in line for a start. I, I think he's been desperately unlucky so far, James, not to start in the league anyway. And I, I yeah, I really do think that his energy and drive in midfield, I, I, I just like him. Um, from you know the 
opportunities that he's had, and so far they've been mainly in the cup with the the old sub, you know substitute appearance. Yeah, for me, Luongu um, surely has to start if it's not Middlesbrough then Hull. Uh, you would imagine that Gary Monk is going to rotate his squad a little bit uh, before the next international break. Uh, so yeah, you know, is it's Sam Hutchinson, for example, going to play and start in all three of these matches? Now Sam has actually started every league game up to now, but how long can that continue? I suppose Stephen Stephen Fletcher came on late here you know, in that second half against Everton. Is Stephen Fletcher going to manage three matches in a week? That's a big ask as well. Uh, so, yeah, there are quite a few selection issues. I know we might talk about it in detail later, but I think there's a few that Gary Monk's definitely got to consider. I'm thinking Sam Hutchinson is the only player that's played every minute of the league season this season. Uh, I'd have to double-check, but yeah. I think, quite, I think he has. I think possibly. he's played 100% of... Minutes, which if at the start yeah. of the season you did a, a list of who you think we you know we get into like whatever it is game, I don't know what game we're on game nine game nine. 10, um, uh, who who's likely to have played every minute? I'm pretty certain Sam would have been at the top of your list, probably not. But no, it's, it's full credit to Sam though. I mean, like clearly, I think the club of now they have got a very good handle on what works for him, and uh, in terms of getting him out there now on a regular basis and he's played over 30 times this year and it's, it's almost as if that four months when he didn't play at all under Jos Lukai has actually done him a world of good um, in terms of his fitness as he, he just seems yeah to not be picking up the niggles and touch wood um, yeah you know that it doesn't come around the corner for him uh, but of course he is also uh, only one yellow card away from a ban as is Julian Burner. Uh, and I think yeah, that's why Gary Monk said that you know those two they played no part the other night. Although I'm not actually sure, even if they got booked in the cup, I don't think it would have counted anyway um, towards the suspension. I think they changed the rules last year. Uh, but Hutchinson for me was never going to play the other night. No. You make eight changes. Uh, as let's face it, we we talked about it earlier on in the week. The cup is not at the top of Wednesday's priority list. See another player that would have been on my list. Uh, in terms of you think, well, there's just no point involving them on Tuesday night, would have been Stephen Fletcher. Um, he was on the bench. He he came on. I thought that was weird. I thought it was an odd substitution to make bringing Stephen Fletcher on because he... Um, I, I'm not you know, making no comment on his fitness because I think he's, he's probably as fit as he has been in many, many, many years. But he's obviously at a certain point of his career. He's in his you know early to mid thirties, and he uh, you know a rest is going to do him good. It, it's great for his legs to kind of have that full week to recover from from league game to league game. Uh, I can't say I understood that. I didn't, but could I didn't you not make? I suppose you could make the same arg- argument for Kadeem Harris then. As well, with the well, I suppose that he's Harris is younger. He's, he's not someone that you'd kind of think of, and, and I, I use this word uh, regrettably, but like injury prone. You know, Stephen Fletcher has picked up injuries. We know that uh, he's had recurring issues. Kadeem Harris is not someone that's had you know a torrid time with injuries or anything. But Fletcher, actually, if you take the end of last season, he's not missed 
too much football, really. This, no, he hasn't, this, but this year. He's like, surely, this is kind of kid glove stuff, isn't it? If but we're saying, I, I, you know, Hutch has played every minute of the league from. season, but yeah. it's better that we don't involve him in a in a I, game that actually, yeah. not that much dependent on it. And I know there'll be people that disagree with that, that yeah. think it's important to try and win every game, and that's fine. But it's a squad game, and if you think, well, we've got to rest some people, I would think Hutchinson, Westwood, um, Kieran Lee... And Stephen Fletcher would all be people on that that list that you'd say, look, you know, they've they've had their issues in the last two three years. It's just not worth the risk. I just didn't understand it. Yeah, I I, I get your point. I mean, how frustrated would you have been if Stephen Fletcher's come on and then picked up an injury? That I'd have would been have ruled fuming. him out of this, the run of fixtures coming up. But then I suppose by the same token, you could go that they were pretty attacking substitutions. So maybe Gary Monk thought that if they got one back, that they could rescue the tie and take it to penalties. And and, and I definitely would have fancied Wednesday uh, to have gotten. He, you know, if they got that first, I think they could have done. But that was it. It was the difference in finishing, and and that, and we saw. You know, I think Everton had two players out there who cost them in the region of ninety million in Richarlson and then Alex Awobi, and so that's what you know the Premier League riches buys you. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the, the, the finishing from uh, Calvert Lewin uh, on the night. You know, yeah, you got to say. I mean, they were clinical, uh, and that uh, second uh, goal was that. a great move. Yeah. And actually, on a wider point, on the goals, though, what I will say is this. There is a concerning stat. This is my negative for this week. I'm going to get it out of the way now. That if you actually look and break down, I think Wednesday have conceded nine goals so far this season, or eight of them have been created or come from the right-hand side from Wednesday. And that is pretty telling, really. And it's teams are setting up, and they know that it's it's a weakness in this side right now. And... Gary Monk is basing a lot of his work on organisation and laying those solid foundations. So he's going to have to try and find a solution to why Wednesday are not stopping, say, crosses from the right enough uh, and uh, what the issues are there as they need to be eradicated if Wednesday are going to kick on. It'd be really easy for me to just you know yeah. throw a name at you. Um, it is a team game, and there's obviously you know bigger issues. That that the Everton's first goal, you just kind of think. I mean, it it could it probably still be in space now to put that ball away. You, it, you know, it was yeah. just in. It's easy to single space. out the one individual, and we've talked about the one individual. But actually, if you look at the personnel, how many have played there? Three. Liam Palmer, Moses Ogbajo yeah. and Dominic Iorfa. So to, I think we've now reached a stage where you need a consistent right back now for a period of time. Give them a run, give them confidence and give you know give them trust and the belief that you're right, you're our man, we're sticking by you for the time being. We're going to see how you go on. If you don't deliver, then we're going to have to make a change. And who would they be? Who would be your two? On the form this season, well, of course, actually, before I start, centre-half right now, we've got two injuries in Tom Lees and David Bates. So they're out of the picture at the minute. Tom Lees is not going to be fit for Middlesbrough by the sound of things. David Bates, I think, is going to be a number of matches away, possibly not going to see him till the next international break. So straight away, that means Dominic Iorfa is probably going to stay where he is at centre-half. And he's now played, I think, four in a row there. So his longest run as a centre-half that he regards as his best position. So then that leaves you with Moses Odebajo and Liam Palmer. 
Do you take Moses Odebajo out of the firing line? Move Liam Palmer to right back? It's not really fair on Liam Palmer if when you're talking about consistent runs. Playing right back, then left back. He's now played last couple of games. Yeah. So there has to I just think there has to be a decision. I would probably go with Liam Palmer at right back for Middlesbrough. And I would probably select Morgan Fox at left back. Same. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. I uh I mean Morgan Fox is far from ideal. Um, I thought. If I do one, think if, he's a very steady defender. I tell you what we did though. learn about him on uh, Tuesday night, which is he should probably never take another throw in again for the rest oh, of his footballing yeah. career. Um, I think what you get with Liam Palmer is someone that is more defensively minded, so you don't get that. Odebajo is is fast, um, and he's got an attacking mind. That ultimately is what we're getting found out with at the moment because teams are seeing that and realizing they can exploit it. Um, Liam Palmer is that little bit more, uh, quite a bit more defensively minded. In in my head, I see him as being more defensively minded. Um, but uh, the, uh, the problem that we've got is that all our fullbacks ultimately are flawed, aren't they? There's all parts of their game that you'd say, right, there's a weakness there. And if we can see that, then opposition teams can see that. So um, the sum of our parts, in some way, needs to be strengthened without it being through the quality that those players have. And I, what I'm getting towards here is that, right, on Tuesday night, it would be very easy to point the finger at Odebaggio, but there's a whole back four there. Yeah. And the problem ultimately comes from, it's from communication. It's from players that are not organising themselves. It shouldn't happen that a player is so far out of position because someone is making sure that everyone is doing what they should be doing. Uh, and you can trace this all the way back to even someone like Cameron Dawson, who, you know, you know, we know that Kieran Westwood sees the way the defence is shaped up in front of him and he will scream and shout at someone if they're not in the right position. So I think the issue just goes a little bit wider than as just picking who those fullbacks should be. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, no, it does. And I, I think really what we're getting to is between now and January, uh, you would think that Wednesday aren't going to be raiding the free agency transfer market. So they're not going to be signing any new players between now and January, you would have thought. So that really leaves Gary Monk with the options of better, you know, through, through coaching, he's got to develop the players. He's got to improve the players and he's got to try and get the best out of them. And then he'll look at it tactically and him, he recognise he's not daft. He know as well that there's a weakness at fullback, and so he'd be thinking of ways to improve that uh, you know, weakness that they have at the moment, that flaw in the team. And so maybe I think, especially away from home, it's going to be a case of the, I think the wingers maybe have to track back at times a little bit more than perhaps would to just double up and help them out, and maybe. Gary Monk will be very rigid and will just say to his fullbacks, I don't want you going too much over halfway. Stay in your positions. Don't get caught upfield so we then get done on the counter-attack. I, I think these will be all the fine details that Gary Monk will be looking at. And, and that in itself then raises loads more questions, doesn't it? Because then it says, well, you know, do we need to be a little bit more consistent with who we play as the as the wingers? Because the fullbacks and the wingers need to have a real understanding. And 
uh, how long has it been? You look at kind of Liam Palmer and Ross Wallace. Uh, there was a time when you'd got Adam Reach and Morgan Fox that were, had kind of built up a little bit of understanding and um, could almost read each other's minds. And that would mean if one's bursting forward, the other hangs back. Well, the, the best we've not seen that for a while, no. where we've got uh, um, two players that are playing so consistently on the same wing that they build up that understanding and, and that, that mutual relationship. No, I, the, the best probably in recent years has been Jack Hunt and Ross Wallace on that right-hand side, especially in that first season under Carlos Carvalho, where, again, it, they would in, you know, interchange and there was a good understanding there. The amount of times Jack Hunt would would overlap. And I do see this point a lot, actually, from Wednesday fans, that, that they're looking at the full-back position now. And I think, actually, and I, and I, see, a, I see, I hear a lot of Wednesday fans saying that it's now looking at, bit of an error maybe that you know to let Jack Hunt go uh, you know Jack Hunt would walk back into this team which uh, I, I can understand it to a point I can um, and he seems to from whenever I watch Bristol City he seems to be doing very well there but obviously the time finances dictated that yeah. you know a, a and decision had to be made we also forget he was also a bit yeah, wobbly defensive. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. he certainly wasn't, uh, he wasn't you know, the greatest. He wasn't Roland Nielsen. Um, <laughs> but who is? <laughs> but who is, yeah. Uh, there's only Roland that is, uh, is Roland. Um, all right then, so other stuff from the uh, from the Everton game. I kind of felt like Everton did a very professional job of, of just kind of shutting up shop when they got the second. And, and we, uh, it just kind of looked like we weren't going to get a foothold back into that game to the point whereby my attention span um, started to waver and after 18 minutes the conversation between me and my friend uh, I turned to whether Everton's kit was salmon or coral uh, incidentally it was salmon if you're uh, interested we uh, we did a bit of a colour test to uh, to find out uh, right thoughts on Jordan Rhodes when he came on uh, hit and miss like, so, uh, I feel some of his Touches, he looked like a player who was a little off the pace or a bit rusty. Um, but then I, I watched him and I thought some of the, his movement was Jordan Rhodes of old, but he, he didn't have a chance in that sort of 25 minutes, half an hour he was on the pitch, not really long enough. And uh, it's as we've discussed right now, the writing looks on the wall for him, he's fifth choice. He's fallen behind Atty New and Sam Winnell in the pecking yeah. order for striking berth. And I'm pretty sure that Fernando Forestieri, when he has served his six-match ban, will also be ahead of Jordan Rhodes in the pecking order. Uh, so it's it's just not an, uh, an ideal situation all around. Can't argue with any of that. Um, I thought yeah, he had a couple of moments where he kind of did things that he thought, all right, that's, that's good. Um, just looked like a player who was just a bit of a mess. Yeah, you know, just you know, void of confidence, um, and just diff- it is difficult to see where we go with him, isn't it? It really is. Um, Can't yeah. really add any more than that. No, yeah, that's true. All right, then let's um, let's hear from um, Gary Monk, and he um, starts off telling us why he had some food for thought after Tuesday night's game. You can see these type of periods, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It's impossible for. You know, one starting eleven to start every single game or play every single game. This squad is what I've said it many times, but you need a squad in this league. You need that squad to be ready, and everyone will contribute this season. And everyone has to be ready and take their opportunities. And I thought on Tuesday, you know, barring the result, of course, but um, and also, of course, there was things in there that needed to be 
done a little bit better. But um, overall, I was very pleased with the players' effort and commitment and, and some of the quality that we showed at times. And um, and yeah, but food for thought in the sense of knowing, you know, can all the players take what you're asking to do and put it on the pitch? That's really what now I've seen the whole squad is is understanding who can do that and and you know they've all shown that they can do that and and now it'd be a case of when they're needed and. Everyone needs to be ready, but they're a very united group, very much together, and, and that's what we need for the rest of the season. What are your thoughts on the job that Jonathan Woodgate so far done at Middlesbrough? Yeah, like every, you know, we've I've been in that situation. You know, we spoke last week about Scott Parker being in that position. You know, when you're a new manager, it's your first year, and all those things. There's a lot of stuff that's going on in your mind, and as those years go on, you, you get a bit more clarity of of what you're doing and, and how you put that in place, and he'd be that. You know, idea of that fresh, young English manager, which is great. I think that's fantastic, and um, and he obviously had a fantastic playing career. Who have a, a lot of experience in terms of football, and then of course, as you go along in management, you know, you gain that experience of how to implement that. So um, you can see what he's trying to do and what he wants to do, and um, yeah, and good luck to him. What sort of reception do you think you're going to get on Saturday? It doesn't matter. Do you know what I mean that's not my focus? Um, my job is to get these players prepared and this club prepared for. You know what we believe is going to be a, a difficult game, a tough game, and, and try and put our strengths on the pitch. That's all that matters. Did you learn an awful lot though from that experience? That six. Months I've learned there. from my whole five and a bit years I've been doing it. I've had mm. a, a variety of, of different experiences, and um, and yeah, taken that all on board, and and never lost any belief. And um, I'm as committed, and as I said, I, I feel I'm probably the best I've ever been as a manager in understanding what I need to do and how I do it and, and then how you deliver that you know and I think each year probably I'll, I'll feel that you know hopefully if if I ever get to a year and feel that I'm not I've not improved then I'm not doing doing it right so I definitely feel that as a manager and all those experiences have helped me to understand what I need to do and how to do it you know from this day onwards. You've had the chance now to see most, if not all, of your squad in their game situation. Yeah. How complete an assessment have you been able to make of what you've got to work with? No, I'm very pleased. I said at the very start that I feel it's a, a really capable squad and, um, and the quality that we have in the squad. And a good thing at the moment in time is it's, as you'd expect, probably in, in the early stages of um, you know, a new manager coming in, that competitiveness has been really strong throughout every day that we've been here. So... Um, that's good, and, and what we need to do, and what I've made clear to the players, is that competitiveness needs to maintain. You know, it's not just about doing it for the period that new managers there. It's, it's setting that standard to try and help us throughout the rest of the season. So, no, they've all trained, done very well. They've all had minutes on the pitch. You can get a good look at them, and and yeah, as I said before, the main part of this squad, or the reason for the, having that squad, is to make sure that everyone's ready and. They're all going to contribute towards the rest of the season. What are the keys then to keeping that intensity and that level of, of commitment? You know, after, for want of a better phrase, the honeymoon period of a new manager coming in. Well, I, as I've tried to mention to you, I'm trying to help the players understand the mentality side of it. What we, you know, what you want to be as a team, and, and the mentality that needs to go into that, how that needs to be maintained every single day. And, um, and, and at the moment in time, you know, the lads have taken responsibility for that. And what you try and do is make there's you that pushes that standard but then from within they have to push themselves and each other to maintain that standard and I've seen a good response to that and, and that's the starting block of them progressing that and hopefully getting that stronger throughout the season so um, yeah good work so far but yeah a lot more to, to do on all those side of it You spoke after Tuesday about the structure of the side and how pleased you were with the way yeah. that those foundations appear to be bedding in how encouraged are you already that, that that side of the game is 
well, the foundations already appear to be there to a certain extent. Yeah, it's, look, it's not it's not easy, but as I've said many times, and you know, I try and work with clarity. You know, give the players their roles and responsibilities, and then allow that that ability to come out on top of that as well. So, um, yeah, every day is is to keep making clarifying those those situations or their roles, and um, and that, you know, from my experience, gives players. Um, more confidence and, and, a, and an attitude to go and deliver it on a on a weekly basis in all the matches. So um, they've done very well with it. They've picked up on it a lot. I've tried to simplify it. We've still got a lot of areas that I haven't worked on yet that we need to get through. But you can't overbear them. You know, we're playing games Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. There's not a, a huge amount of time you get with the players on the pitch because a lot of it's just recovery and, and preparing for the next game. So um, there's still a lot of areas I haven't touched on yet. Um, that we need to get right and, and get better at and then also the ones we have touched on where I've been really pleased how quickly they've taken that on board but again that's something that definitely needs to be improved and, and will do with time I want to ask about uh, discipline as well for two players already on four yellow cards walking a bit mm. of a tightrope for the next 10 or 11 games Yeah. Well, how do you look at it? I haven't seen all the bookings because quite a few of them happened before I came in here but the ones that I've had is I love the commitment side of it. Often those type of situations are from commitment and um, I can accept those, you know, but I think it's ones that are needless, let's say descent or uh, the ones where balls are kicked away or, you know, those needless or time-wasting ones, the needless ones are the ones you have to avoid the most. Um, in terms of the other ones, yeah, uh, at this moment in time, I have no problem with anything at the, at the moment. You know, it is what it is. Um, you know, I'll never take away that commitment side to players if it's challenges, if it's trying to be on that front foot but of course if that then became too much for one player or whatever it is or they were committing that too much and yeah okay you need to have a word about this moment in time it is what it is and as long as it's not for stupid and, and needless yellow cards um, yeah we'll we just deal with that as we come along So Middlesbrough next up then up and down start to their season what have you made of them and the, the challenge that they present on Saturday? Well it's tough you know every away game especially is in even home games as we've seen you know they're all tough challenges they're a good squad you know they've got quality in their squad they've got goal threats and they've also got good defenders so um, it'd be a tough place for us to go we're under no illusions that we're preparing for a tough game um, and making the players aware of that but again it will always come down to the fact that the way I work is, is to concentrate on ourselves you know the most of course you need to know what threat Middles propose in certain areas, um, prepare for that so the players are aware. But 90% of what I do is, is on what we need to do and what we need to do well and our own principles. So that's what I've done since I've come in and that's what we're focused on this week. Of course, we understand what Middlesbrough strengths are. As I said, we're preparing for a really difficult and, and tough afternoon. But if we can put what we know we can on the pitch and do it to the level that we're trying to push for, then um, as I said many times, we have the quality to, to hurt teams as well. On that other 10%, though, Millsborough players, you'll know a fair few of them because you yeah. signed a fair few of them. Does yeah. that give you a bit of a head start in terms of preparing for this game? Yeah, but then then again, you know, there's been a couple of managers since me there and they've played in different ways. So, yeah, I know the players, of course, and know their strengths and, and weaknesses as an individual, but they've been playing in, in different systems or they've been playing in a different way. Um, so, really, you just prepare for what they're doing right now and, of course, knowing them helps from an individual point of view but from a team point of view it's not much benefit if I'm honest so um, we're preparing for what we think Middlesbrough will do and, and their strengths and then but also to try and put our strengths on the pitch stronger than theirs that's the, that's the aim and the challenge for us So Gary Moncovers reflecting on uh, on the Everson game in there look we're out of the cup I mean I'm not going to lose any sleep over it um, on we go 
we've got it's a it's fast and furious, isn't it? This so we've got another busy week. We've got two away games: Hull away, Middlesbrough away. Both teams who've obviously been in the Premier League of late. Uh, one of whom we're more than uh, knowledgeable about. Um, Middlesbrough have not had the brightest of starts. One, no. two, drawn three, lost three. You you kind of think they're going to be viewing this as the game where they really need to get their season back on track, though, aren't they? The, at the moment, I think they're four points behind Wednesday in the table. They're in that bottom half. And yeah, it, you know, it's John from Woodgate's first job in management and it's it's been difficult for him. They are another club that, and you could throw Wednesday into the mix in this as well, where you say they are going through a period of transition. And you know, Middlesbrough, I think the emphasis there seems to be on promoting youth. And when you look at their match day squad, there's a lot of academy players that uh, you know John from Woodgate's including in there. So they've clearly got one eye on the future. So you know, I had a look at the bench that they've been putting out in the last few matches and and I would just and overall the, the the team I would say it's probably the weakest Middlesbrough team that we've seen for a few years and you've still got don't get me wrong you've still got some good players at this level some decent operators from Adam Clayton whether Jonathan you know Johnny Housen's involved or not I don't know Britta Sombolonga we know very much about you know they spent 15 million on him a couple of years ago when actually Gary Monk was in charge, uh, so yeah, and Ashley Fletcher's another player. If Wednesday aren't on it, then they will come unstuck. No, there's no doubt about it. And the Riverside hasn't been a great hunting ground over the last twenty years or so, really. For Wednesday, I mean, I've seen them win a couple of times. Of course, last season was a great result. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, was that? Boxing Day, yeah, yeah. It, was Bully, it was Lee Bowen's second match. Right. Uh, his caretaker. They put in a really strong performance. Sam Hutchinson, of course, came back into midfield. It was around that point of when Kevin Westwood and Hutchinson were reintroduced yeah. into the team. George Boyd, another as well. We were on a, uh, a little bit of a high, weren't we? Yeah. Maybe not yeah. about George well, Boyd coming back into the team, but, you know, the others certainly, yeah. Yeah, um, so yeah, Adam Reach scored, didn't he? He yeah, scored, he scored in the home game as well, didn't he? Scored twice against his former his former team last season. I also remember the um, the away one under Stuart Gray when um, Stevie May scored. Yeah. Did Stevie May score a couple? I can't remember. Atty knew he scored as well. Yeah, Stevie May might not have scored, but he had a good game or something. I think he might yeah, have hit the bar or something. Um, and we all thought, oh, we've got ourselves an absolute worldly here. What an amazing player we've signed. Pretty much all he did, wasn't it? Um, do you think that Middlesbrough will get Steve Gibson to do the team talk? I reckon they will. <laughs> he hates us, doesn't he? He's gonna be. If well, there's one game, that, if I there's two games that he'll want to win this I, season, I, I think Derby might be I, higher I, up the I, list. But I don't think it's to. that he hates Sheffield Wednesday, but uh, let's face it, he, there's certainly a, a Middlesbrough Steve Gibson agenda out there right now and I do just look at it and we've said it before I do look at it and think it's a, it's very much a bit of sour grapes really you know right you had your parachute payments yeah right so you were armed with the best part of 80 to 100 million and it's just because they've run out oh now you know what Derby and what Wednesday and Reading and Astonville have done they've exploited a loophole in the system but it's there They've not broken a law, right? Could could the clubs, uh, not just singling out Wednesday, could maybe they've gone about things perhaps in a different way in terms of being maybe up front and 
uh, honest and transparent about it, perhaps. But the fact is, they haven't broken any rules. So uh, there's, a, there's a part of me that just thinks that you need to let it go, Steve Gibson, but he's not going to. I think I read somewhere that there's a big um, EFL Meeting clubs. To, yeah, is that is this that, Thursday? Is yeah, that this yeah. Thursday. Yeah, the Thursday. As in today. Has it just gone? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, all right. I was hoping that'd be next week. Can you imagine if if we go to Borough and win? Steve Gibson in that meeting would be oh to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's a shame that it was before uh, before then. Okay, fair enough. Um, right, let's talk team selection. So what we do know, Tom Lees isn't going to be um, involved. David Bates is not going to be uh, involved. I, I, I felt I feel like I ranted a bit um, on Twitter the other day about um, David Bates not being involved. I didn't realise he was injured, so I kind of retract that. I apologise for my uh, for my rant about, about time. Um, well, actually, I called him Irby um, Bait Manuelson. Uh, I renamed him, um, but. Um, yes, evidently that was unfair. Uh, right, okay, we uh, stick up for Adam Reach quite a bit on this podcast. Um, is it time for him to be taken out of the team? No, especially against his former club when he's got good memories of the last two matches where he scored, as you highlighted before. So, no, 100% Adam Reach stays in for me. And it's going to be fascinating to see what, formation and personnel that they go with this weekend it's going to let's face it it's going to largely be what it was against Fulham I'm not anticipating too many changes from there but I think we're both sort of in agreement we go with Liam Palmer right back yep. Morgan Fox left back yep. two centre-halves Burner and yep. Dominic Iorfa it's what what you do in midfield and we know that Gary Monk is big on being hard to break down and well organised so for that reason is he going to go really with two recognised strikers up front I don't think he will it wouldn't surprise me if it's sort of similar to the Huddersfield away match where maybe Reach has played in the number 10 or the, that one who's tasked with supporting Stephen Fletcher and then you've got Barry Bannon Hutchinson, Kadeem Harris. But then what do you do? Massimo Luongu? I think you've got to. I, I think I think you need Hutchinson and Luongu. You need Bannon. Um so I I think you play that I think you play a midfield three. It'll be interesting to see what effect Bannon has playing with Luongu. I don't think we've seen them on the pitch together, have we? Millwall away. Alright, okay. Um but not in the league from the start. Harris, Reach, Fletcher. I think that's the way to go about it. So really, you're going four three three, aren't you? Yeah. But you could go four four two, four three three. Yeah, it's 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 four five one when it needs to be. It's it's a little bit more solid in the middle, but you've got players there in Reach and Harris that you know will attack the ball. Um, whether or not Luongo being there gives Bannon a little bit more freedom to, to attack. Uh, that would be interesting to see. I think I'd have Luongu as the more advanced, you know, of the three. That's a role... He used to score a lot of goals when he was at Swindon, you know, in years gone by. And I think he sees, mm. you know, QPR turned him into a sitter, into more of the holding midfielder. But I think if you ask Massimo Luongo, he he believes he can score goals and that he can be more box to box. So I'd maybe be looking at Luongo uh, as that one to run in behind 
and support Fletcher perhaps up there out of the three central midfielders if that's Possibly. the way that Gary Monk decides to go. I just wonder whether or not they'll have had enough time to work on that as mm. a concept. It's this great point actually because that's what Gary Monk is is mentioning a lot yeah. of and I, and I think right now th- it's about recovery, you know, how much yeah. how much can he really do on the training ground to influence things at the minute when you've got Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, yeah. Tuesday, Saturday. It's a relentless period of matches so there's only so much he can do and you know as he's stressed uh, you know, in his interviews at the moment, that you know, it's about clarity, and it, he, but he's trying to keep things very simple for the players at the minute, not to overbear them, which is the right way to go. I think I think that's kind of why I thought for Bannon. Obviously, uh, we know his understanding with Fletcher is great. Um, he's obviously played more games with Harris, played a lot of games with Reach. I just think that that kind of forward, uh, it, it's effectively like it, it's. You know those triangles, isn't it? It's it's just playing the ball around in those advanced areas. Whether or not doing that with Bannon is just more likely to work because mm. he just knows those players better. But um, you know we've said this before; it can be fluid. You know we've seen it before in games, haven't it? Where you know it starts with um, it can start with Kieran Lee being the more advanced midfielder, and then that can that can change. Let's just not play Sam Hutchinson as a number ten ever again, shall we? <laughs> the one thing that we I can forgot all about those we days. can all agree on. Um, yeah, so I mean, the the question marks really there, aren't there? Just whether or not you know, do you? It, it's basically it's a choice between Luongo or Winnall, isn't it? Really? I yeah, think I, that, I think that kind of so, how it yeah. feels. That, yeah, I, I don't see Jacob Murphy starting. I, no, I, I don't think he's done enough. He didn't um, do enough on Tuesday. I don't think. No, I, I, it's funny actually. A lot of the national press thought that early on Jacob Murphy starts off quite well against Everton impressed you know he put that ball in for I think Reach's chance uh, in that first half but he he faded again and and he's no he really is he's struggling a bit at the minute and so no it's hard to make a strong case for Jacob Murphy to start Steve Bruce knew what he was doing when he sent him to us, didn't he? Uh, right. I, I I would say that uh, Julian Berner has easily been Wednesday's most consistent player so far this season. I oh, I wouldn't go Kadeem Harris as well. Uh, yeah, but Harris has had games where he's not really got into it. Um, I th- I think Berner's been super consistent. I'd, anyway, I'd this is not you're messing up my piece. This is not the point. Sorry, he was on he was on media duty today. Um, is he as smiley, smiley in the flesh? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he is. As soon as he came in, he's so polite. His English is improving all the time. He's just a big character. Right? He's a presence. And we've said it before that it, you know, the captain's armband, armband would not look out of place uh, you know, on, it, on him at all. You know, you can see why he captured his German, German club. He, he just um, is... Uh, is a guy who he's got a big personality, a presence. You can feel it when he comes into a room. But you know, he, he's on the pitch. He's this sort of old-fashioned centre back who loves the physical battle, and he, he's talked a lot about that in in the press about the, uh, today about um, how in Germany it's more technical and in in the Championship it's more physical. But I just think it's tailor made for his attributes and his qualities and that's and he's made such a great start to his Wednesday career uh, so you just hope he, he keeps it going but yeah he really has been I mean a breath of fresh air you know behind the scenes and then what we see you know week in week out on the pitch I've heard it's massive his personality talking about uh, right let's see what he had to say earlier this is Julian Burner. how 
important, Julian, is this period of games that you have before the next international break, Middlesbrough, Hull and Wigan? Yeah, I think every every match is important. Yeah. It gives not the game was uh, was not important. Uh, we can uh, always win three points, and uh, yeah, the next week we want to uh, to get yeah nine points. We play two uh, games uh, away. Uh, the last before the national break uh, is coming uh, at home. It's difficult, yeah, we know that, but um, this week we, we are concentrated to, to Middlesbrough and on Sunday after the game to Hull and on Wednesday after the game to week. You've been here now a couple of months. From what you've seen, how confident are you that the team can be successful? I believe uh, we have a big team. But uh, quality is, is so high. Uh, we have uh, yeah, 23, 24 um, players, and um, I think we need all the players um, in the season. Uh, we, we have much uh, games. How have you found so far working with the new manager? Yes, uh, so um, a little bit the German like uh, is. Uh, yeah, a tactical uh, man. Uh, he has a philosophy. I love it. The, the distance from uh, yeah player to player is short, and uh, the the um, the intensity in the game uh, when the training is high. How is he wanting the team to play moving forward? The style of the team is it very different to Liverpool? Steve Bruce when he was here? No, 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 no. Um, so the, the first step from uh, uh, from Gary Monk was so the the defensive, the way we uh, play to defensive. So this was uh, the first step, and I think so the next weeks or the next month we try to uh, play um, yeah different uh, opportunities from the system. Uh, so we can uh, shoot more scores and um, yeah, we need time. Yeah? This is uh, a big moment for us, I believe it. But um, we are on the right way and uh, yeah, we need time. The fans have really taken to you here. What does that mean to you? <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, it's amazing. Um, when you see, I, I'm, yeah. Ten weeks here with the preseason, and uh, yeah, I'm very uh, thankful for all, and I try to to give my best every every week, and it's amazing. <laughs> So it is, um, it's a two-game week again, uh, away at Hull on Tuesday. We're not going to go into that because we'll be back early next week uh, to do a separate episode. Um, looking forward to um, to that one. Uh, which brings us to our opinions then. So last week, it was all about where you've seen Wednesday players in unusual places. 
um, past, present, wherever really. Um, I, we had so many stories. We had this. a great I'm, response to this. Didn't yeah, we? I'm I'm, I'm going to go through as many of these as as I can because some of them are just brilliant. So um, hi to Andy McAlwin. He went clubbing with Petter Rudy twice. Uh, Luke Samuels met Tony Crane in a pub in Baton. Ellen saw. Gary Medine, every week at Napoleon's. I don't think you're alone in that one, mate. Uh, Joshua Hopkinson, I think he's Miguel Yera's stalker because he saw him at Pizza Hut and also at Burger King in separate occasions. Uh, Rusty bumped into Leon Clark in a kebab shop in Newcastle <laughs> when he was a Wednesday player. Weirdly, it's not the only one that we had about someone seeing Leon Clark in a kebab shop. Uh, Andy Young saw him coming out of a kebab shop on London Road with two carrier bags full. <laughs> um, Andy also bumped into Richie Humphreys at the uh, at the lead mill as well. Uh, Rick, there's a theme emerging here. Rick saw Daly and Atkinson in Chubbib's kebab shop in the early 90s. They're all kebab shops. Uh, that is the last of the kebab shops. Uh, Jamie saw Chris Waddle at a gig at Bar Matrix, but was too star struck to yeah. say hello to him. Uh, Nathan Wood bumped into Atty in Meadowhall. Uh, the Hoppy Hopper saw Gary Bannister in a cafe in Land's End. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. Brilliant. Uh, Andrew Womack saw Mel Sterland in Hanrahan's uh, and he said he was a little bit worse for wear and he just stood there shouting, Zico, Zico, Zico. <laughs> uh, Nathan saw uh, Carboni and Decanio in the Old Republic uh, nightclub. Uh, God rest its soul. Uh, he saw Emerson Tome in um, Sainsbury's and he saw Barry Bannon in an M1 service station. And he also saw, when he was at school, he saw Waddle, Palmer, Pearson, Hurst and Harks all together having a drink in the Prince of Wales pub. Uh, he was at school at the time. He went in and got autographs for all his schoolmates and became the most popular person at school there as a go. result of that. Uh, Laura Lawrence saw, um, do you remember Ned, um, Pe- Pechnik, remember. Yes. Pechnik, how you pronounce his name, at Genting James uh, nightclub. Him, think, didn't he? And uh, he had Rita Johnson lingering behind him in the background. Mm. Uh, Michael saw Carlos in the Prince of Wales pub. That's definitely the place to spot That um, was one of his favourite places to uh, go. It was his local, meal. wasn't it? I think he only yeah. lived like, across the road from it at the time. Yeah. Uh, right, other people who have seen David Hurst in Sainsbury, so you have. Hey. Uh, Adam also has. Penny also saw David Hurst in uh, Sainsbury's uh, and also saw Chris Waddle at the drive-thru uh, when she was a student working at Mackey's. Also saw Danny Wilson in a bar in La Manga and then Kenny Dalgleish in the same bar the following night. Uh, There we go. That's uh, all the responses uh, to uh, this week's opinions, or as many as I've managed to to cram in there. Great reaction. Thank you. Some great, great stories as well. I've had to condense those down, by the way. If you go and have a look at some of the tweets that we got and and read some of the full stories, they're really really funny. Some of it not not broadcastable. Um, So this week... Just really off the back of what we've been talking about as we've been recording, this is just a simple yes or no question. Um, Should Massimo Luongo start against Middlesbrough? Dead simple, yes or no poll. I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes as well. So that is 100% yes from this end. If you want to vote in our poll, head to our Twitter page and um, we will obviously we'll, we'll, we'll know the result and we'll know whether or not he played. But it'll be interesting to see uh, in the lead up to the game what uh, result that gets from uh, from you guys. Um, you can catch 
Dom on Twitter at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott and the show is at Dom and James. Thank you to our gold sponsor, Title Law, who you can find at titlelaw.co.uk. And that is just about it. Thank you for joining us. As ever, let's have your feedback on the show. We do appreciate your reviews. Uh, and you can subscribe to us for free in your podcast app of choice. And that means you get the new episode every week, or at the moment, the two new episodes every week. Uh, check the show notes as well for details of how you can become a Singing the Blues supporter. We will be back with another episode at the start of next week. Up the owls, and we'll speak to you then. <laughs>